Gunter's Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butter will get it for the win. Got it! He is hard to believe. Here's Troy. What's going on, guys? Welcome to a playoff preview. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. For today's episode, we have brought back Gordon Hayward, as many of you guys referred to him in the comments section of the preview, to see how it's gone. And it has gone pretty well. Very key line from the lap from the preview when we had Brian Murphy on. He said, There is no reason why I wouldn't be surprised if we get the two seed. Well, here we are. The Boston Celtics got the two seed in one of the craziest turnarounds, if not the craziest turnaround in franchise history. Murph, how are we doing? And what's the excitement level right now uh, with the season that you've had? Or give us the recap of the season for, for us. All right, we're feeling great. Literally 20 minutes ago, I drove by the Celtics practice facility, the Auerbach Center, and vibes are high. People are excited. The fans were outside yelling, screaming, we're ready for the Nets, we're ready for Kyrie. Actually? No, it didn't happen. But you did drive by the facility? I live right there. Okay. I was figuring that part was real. But let's talk about how in the beginning of the season, you guys were 16 and 19 I remember calling out, you know, Jason Tatum was getting a lot of criticism. He did not start the season very well. He was shooting uh, like 42%, shooting a lot of threes, about eight eight a game. It's still at eight a game, but his percentage has gone up a little bit. Um, I remember there was a game you guys played us, and it was the same old Celtics. You guys were creating a lot of open threes, but missing everything and not knowing when to quit. Obviously, Jalen Brown was injured in the beginning of the season. Uh, What made it so hard, you think, to get going in the beginning? So I think two things, one of them you brought up, Tatum starts out the first month of the season, first couple months, not knowing how to play basketball. And then by the end of the season, we've seen it a couple of seasons now, he's an MVP. Yeah. Uh, Other thing was, it almost seemed like in the beginning that they hadn't bought all the way in on Ime's complete switching and there was still a little confusion. People didn't know their rotations and stuff like that. So let's talk about Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson real quick. Why did it not work out for them? So it was – I wouldn't say it didn't work out for Richardson. Richardson was playing well. He was one of the best players on the team. He was finally, like, finding a role. He was scoring. He was creating for others. And he just was a casualty of – he could have been added to that trade to get a better player in Derek White and somebody that's under control for a couple more years. What do you think of Derek White so far? That was a that was an interesting move made and bringing Tice back. What do you think of the move that you guys made midseason? So it's literally night and day between Dennis Schroeder and Derek White because you put Derek White on the or you put sorry if you put Schroeder on the court with Marcus Smart, they had like literally one of the worst like on on off plus minuses with each other. They just couldn't play with each other. It never worked, and it took Ime actually a little bit to like be like, okay, we just can't put Marcus Smart and Schroeder on the floor at the same time. But Derek White and Marcus, they don't play together all the time, but they're able – both of them are distributors. Both of them move. Both of them are, like, defensive 
masterminds. They can spot up and shoot too. I don't like Dennis yeah. Shooter catching and shooting, whereas Derek White is a lot more comfortable in that role. Derek White was awful from three his first like month or two with the Celtics, and I think mm. uh, past month he's shooting over fifty percent from three. So there you if go. That continues into the playoffs, then the Celtics are even more dangerous. Speaking of somebody who's been shooting really well from three that we didn't expect, Grant Williams. We already knew what he gave on the defensive end, but this season it's just come out of nowhere. He is shooting – well, Peyton Pritchard as well, 41%, and Grant Williams, 41% from three. How big of a difference has that made to his game and obviously him hitting threes plus his defense to the team? Grant Williams was the Celtics' best three-point percentage literally the entire season up until the last day I think Peyton Pritchard passed, Peyton Pitch Pritchard passed him. But uh, Grant literally played himself into a role. You didn't know going into the year if he was going to have a role, and he just wouldn't stop hitting threes. I think Scal calls him the corner office or whatever. He's You put him in that corner, and he's close to automatic. So and he, he made that role for himself. And then what it did, the shooting allowed him to expand his game into other facets because now you have to respect the three. He's taking people off the drive. He's always had a solid post-up game. It just adds another level for the Celtics to have a guy who played himself into a role where end of last year, you're like, is he a guy moving forward or is he a uh, playing time casualty? And it's something that that's something else as the, as the season wore on. One of Ime Udoka's biggest things as the season's worn on is, Hey, I'm not going to play the bad players. We're going to play seven, eight guys, maybe nine every night. And if you can't provide and if you can't like perform, then you're not getting those minutes. We're only going eight deep. We're cutting it off. Like some of the nights when Rob was healthy, Tice wasn't getting in the game. And he's only playing competent players that are going to stick. It's basically like don't play your bad players, only play your good players. And Celtics went best team in basketball in the second half. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say too. So, the Celtics team, ninth in the league in three-point attempts around middle in percentage. Uh, one of my biggest criticisms of you guys in the past years has been shooting a lot of threes and not knowing when to quit. Have you guys been able to with guys like Smart, Pritchard, Williams? Uh, Jalen Brown also being back in the lineup has been huge. I feel like your record with him has just been really good. Um, how are you guys generating easier baskets these days? Or are all the driving lanes still cut off for Tatum and Jalen like they were in the beginning of the season because they were sagging off your shooters so much? The ball movement is also picked up. Like, having Tatum come alive kind of in the second half, too, makes it so much easier. Everybody will say his passing has improved, his vision, court vision has improved. All that stuff has just gotten so much better, and that just opens up. Tatum used to, like, in the past couple years, he'd get kind of, like, what's the word? Like, rattled rattled if a double team comes or something like that. Now he's like, like KD does. You watch KD and KD sees a double team and he's like, oh, easy, right over the top or to the side or something. Tatum's picking up on double teams early and knows exactly where he's going with the ball and that just opens up everything else. On top of having a guy like Derek White, having a guy like uh, Smart and Williams. How Smart been shooting? How Smart been shooting lately? Because I know he can be hit or miss from deep. Here's the thing with with more scores on the floor with even like Horford this year and Grant Williams and uh, Derek White. Hor- Did I say Horford? But just yeah, having yeah. more guys that can Williams being able to get touches and stuff like that. More guys to pick up. You don't even notice the only you used to notice when guys just weren't shooting or won't weren't scoring. Marcus would be like, "Okay, it's on me. I have to go now. It's it's going to come down to whether I make." three of my 10 threes or if I make seven of 15 threes like 
that was Marcus's game. Now he kind of fits more into the flow of the offense and he's an unreal facilitator. So you really don't even notice like Smart's offense as much. And he's getting to the lane pretty easily too with that open floor. That's great. I mean, Jason Tatum, as you said, you know, at the beginning of the season, I was very critical of him kind of always starting behind the three-point line and dancing a lot and taking a lot of contested threes. But the second half of the season, he has been one of the best players in the NBA going into this playoffs. We got to talk about what we said the identity of this team would be, and it has become that defense. Top two defensive team. You got some? Number one in the league. Oh, number one in the league in defense. Not on the metrics, I guess, but. Yeah, number one in uh, opposing. Yeah, second in defensive rating, number one in opposing points per game. It's been, as you said, a lot of switch everything. Great rim protection with Rob Williams, who's had the year of his career. We'll get to his injury in a second. Horford has been fifteen in blocks or something, and has one of the best like defensive ratings and metrics and shit. Such a great uh, communicator. He's just very positionally aware, and like he may not be like he's pretty good laterally, but even though he's not maybe the fastest moving his feet, man, he knows angles and and just tendencies and everything. He's very intelligent. What you say? He's a vet. Yeah, exactly. And he's been there before. So talk about the change, how everything has shifted beyond just Tatum stepping up, but the defense and how it's come together. I'd assume that has to do with Jalen and Tatum defending more, defending at a higher level as well. Yeah, of course. They, I mean, I don't know anybody who's watched the Celtics, you watch them play defense. They're a buzzsaw now. Yeah, yeah. There's not more, much more you can say from an individual. It's just, you litter, if you litter the court with great individual defenders, then it's all going to come together if you're switching and uh, the rotations like they the switch everything that Udoka likes to do. And then that kind of the the center fielder role, they almost had Robin for a while at, when they were like putting all those like 70, 80, 90 point games on guys. So they had, so the, they had Rob yeah. always on like the the weak side so that he could kind of float with his yeah. runs. Nobody's going to skip a pass over him. And he would kind of float and then be able to clean up anything from the weak side. And it was kind of an interesting wrinkle that they pulled out this year. Have you seen a level of because I always believe that when you're when your best players defend, it's very contagious. And you guys are in a situation like the Clippers where your two best players are wings, right? Wings that can defend. So sometimes it's like you want to let them not work too hard on defense because they're running your offense for you. Uh, how has that adjusted? You know, have they been able to balance both guard? Are these guys guarding good players? Cause the thing is you're going to have to probably put, you're going to probably have Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown guarding Kevin Durant a good amount in this upcoming series. I'd assume. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's the thing when you have two guys in the conversation for a defensive player of the year at not like your swing positions with Rob and Marcus, then it takes so much like pressure and Derek White too, obviously being a great defender. You have all those guys on the floor, Horford. Then it takes all the pressure off of uh, Tatum and Brown, where they even like, like I said in the in the preview, you notice they can be sometimes lackadaisical. Tatum always last year he probably should have been all defense, but whatever. Um, and Jalen, they both have the tools to be great defenders. Mm-hmm. It's just, and then if you put like a million great defenders, then it just takes the pressure off of them to do everything. That's really what it is. So you haven't seen really any step up from them individually, really? Tatum, definitely. uh, Brown also, to a degree. Okay, so Tatum, yeah, I've heard a lot about Tatum leading by example on both ends in the second half of the season, and that's that's great. That's what you want to see from your leader. Uh, He's only 24 years old? 
Just turned 24 in March. Just turned 24 in March. Yeah, still. Just turned 24 in March. So for the first time now, you've got Jason. Actually, no, not the first time. Because in 2020, I'd say you guys were favored for a couple series. But it's just been the best leadership display we've seen from Jason Tatum. We haven't seen any. uh, I mean, you can argue Marcus Smart's also a leader of this team. But no Kemba Walker this time. You know, last time you had Kemba, you had the year before Kyrie Irving. It's really Jason Tatum's team now. And it's it, he's done an amazing job. So now let's get into. By the way, Derek White's been a good. I don't know his d- defense. I don't watch him every night. He's been a good defender. I don't. I don't know if he. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I mean, he slides in perfect. Just another. It's. I mean, we went Isaiah to Kyrie to Terry. I mean, Terry was there, obviously. Ky, uh, Kyrie, Terry, and Kemba. Uh, Kemba, and none of those guys. Terry's was fine, but yeah, the other guys. Having, Having Marcus Smart and Derek White in the backcourt, big, physical, like monster defenders, is just such a difference. And you don't have to hide anybody on defense. And it's and just like it makes everything easier. Before we go on to the playoff series, I wanted to ask about two people that are going to be – I don't think Ime Udoka will win Coach of the Year, but I want to ask about two guys in particular, Ime's coaching job and then Marcus Smart's case for Defensive Player of the Year. He's getting a lot of shouts for it. And he's always been a great defender. Have you seen even more from him this season, or is it more that he just has better players around him now? I think a lot of – I honestly can't tell you that Marcus Smart has played better on defense this year. But what it is is he's being recognized because the Celtics are, like, the number one defense. Yeah. Number one defender, number one defense. Yeah. And now, now there's people building to – the whole guards haven't won a defensive player of the year in 20 years and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You can see when, when you pay attention to NBA writers and a narrative starts to form, you can see the narrative going. Like, I don't think that Marcus Smart has played better on defense. He's always locked down on defense. He's playing this, like pretty much the same on defense. It's just now they have the number one defense. So he's being recognized and he's been giving those props for it, but he, he probably, he should probably be the defensive player of the year every year. Like, if you if you want to give put like the minute stats or whatever each year, he, I mean, he plays. It's the same defense. He's just on the best defense this year. But I think he will win. I've seen there's a running counter that uh, people on Celtics Twitter are looking at where it seems like ev- half of every first place vote is going to Marcus Smart. So that's great for him. That's awesome for the Celtics. What about Ime? What about Ime? How have you made of his first season so far? Oh, I mean. Coming from the de- November, December, like people asking, like, "Oh, did Brad make the right choice?" Mm-hmm. I remember What's that. Going on here, there was a lot of questions. Uh, I mean, w- what can you say, really? Yeah, far exceeded every expectation, especially compared to last year. Like, are you kidding? Yeah, back on the upward oh, trajectory I mean, in Boston. I don't know if, like, who's going to win Executive of the Year, like. He, he may probably won't win coach of the year, but like, I don't, I don't know who's the guy with the Suns. James Jones. Didn't he win last year though? I no, feel I mean, like they're coaching, coaching. What's his face? Oh, Monty. Yeah. I mean, isn't that kind of the consensus just because they're so good this year? I don't know. People have been talking about Taylor Jenkins in Memphis. I mean, they're then yeah. the number two seed. That's a good, and obviously I know Ty will get some votes, but I don't think he's going to win. Uh, but anyway, let's move on to the actual series. In my opinion, the best series of the first round from a neutral perspective. A lot of storylines here. It's a rematch of last year with the seeds flipped. 
You guys are the favorite now, but in Vegas, you're not the favorite. Like, it's weird. I've never seen such a thing, and that's because of the weird season that your opposition has had. The Nets started out with Harden, Kyrie, and uh, and Kevin. Obviously, Kyrie Irving doesn't get vaccinated. James Harden doesn't like it. Uh, KD (laughs) goes down, and James Harden starts complaining, starts basically quitting on the team. Didn't want to ask for a trade. Eventually asked for a trade, gets moved on. Kyrie returns right before James Harden gets traded. And they find a way to get the seventh, no, the eighth, it's a seventh seed. Yeah, just they beat the Cavs the other night. Game, they get the seven. Just beat the Cavs the other night. Kyrie Irving and KD were really good, especially Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, obviously a former Celtic, as we know, rubbed his shoe on Lucky last year, which was very, you know, criticized and made a lot of ex-Celtics very angry. I don't even know where to begin with this series. Um, I just want you to give us an idea of why, one, this particular series means so much to you guys, and two, why you want to win so badly. Give me all the – honestly, just throw me, throw all the Kyrie slander out. Why do, you, why do Celtics fans despise him so much? I know why, but it's just for the subscribers. So the Kyrie stuff, obviously you make the trade, Isaiah for Kyrie – you give up the pick that became Colin Sexton um, with it, like Jay Crowder, whoever, but you make that trade a hundred times out of a hundred. Like obviously hindsight's 2020, but at the time you're getting an all NBA player and it should have worked. It should have worked. Horford shouldn't have broke his ankle five minutes in or two minutes in or whatever it was. Kyrie shouldn't have been a head case and like gave up in the playoffs that year and like blew the team up from the inside out and then said hey like before that said hey i want to be in boston done the commercial with his dad they're gonna put 11 in the rafters rafters and then go home stand in the center the same center that he stepped on and say hey i'm gonna sign here if you guys will have me for the rest of my career oh wait kevin durant's going to brooklyn see ya you know what's interesting too is I feel like it, it had gotten so bad in 2019 that most Celtics fans I know, including you, were not even sad to see him go. You were like, "Good riddance!" Like I, I, yeah. I want Jason Tatum to thrive and yeah, get this guy out of here. He's a nutcase. Everybody sees that. So now you have the Nets coming into the playoff series against you guys. With I will be there game one. There you go. The shit out of Kyrie every time he touches the ball with thirty thousand other people or whatever it is. Eighteen thousand. But, but so let's, I mean, it's very hard to get into, you know, basketball has changed. It's not as much individual one-on-one matchups anymore, but you know, you're going to see a steady diet of Marcus Smart and Derek White, but particularly Marcus Smart guarding Kyrie Irving. Uh, Likely, uh, who would you throw on Kevin Durant? You know, Grant Williams, uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all three. Well, that's the thing. It's going to be all over the place. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting when, a lot of times a guy like Kyrie, Marcus won't even pick him up to like on the majority of possessions because with when you have a team that has like a point guard like that that can move with the ball, they'll put Marcus staggered off on like a, a Seth Curry because they want somebody that will stick with Seth Curry on the hip the entire time because you know Kyrie's going to get moving in the lane and try to get him the ball and he's going to spot up and stuff like that. So they get somebody that can stick with that. And so Marcus ends up on like the shooter like that a lot more often than not. 
So what's going to be interesting too is I think everybody knows that Kevin and Kyrie are going to be tough to handle. The question is, do the Nets have enough outside of them to win the series? You know, you have no Ben Simmons, obviously. You know, there's an expression, one guy can't beat you, but can two guys beat you? How do you feel about your, your how scared are you, really? So off the bat, my takeaway is Ben Simmons doesn't matter. Like, I don't, not important for the series. Rob Williams also, like both of them, they're saying right now they might play at some point in the series. I don't, it doesn't matter. I think that even if you watch the game on, uh, that they played the Cavs, I think that's kind of a good indication on how the series, Kevin Durant had a good game. Kyrie had like a lights out game, but like, no, you like they beat the Cavs, they whooped the Cavs. But the Cavs kind of made it close. They came a couple back. Times. They came back. And you're like, why are they not putting the Cavs away when Kyrie's having this unreal game? Kevin Durant's doing everything. And you're like, why are they not putting the Cavs away? I think that's something that the Celtics will like feast on. If you can let, it seems like with the Nets, Kyrie can have a great game. Kevin Durant can have, as long as Kevin Durant doesn't score like 50 on you or something, then you live with that from those guys. And you make sure that like, Seth Curry's not hitting 53s and their defense is existent. The Celtics were also one of the best offensive teams. So that should, it should be something that Celtics get out, run the break, uh, which they did the last couple of times they played the Nets. They beat them by like 20 in uh, fast break points the last couple of times. So I think, I think scoring points and just limiting everybody else. And it's a quick series. Yeah. That's that's one thing you're going to probably see from Ime. It's going to be let Kyrie and Kevin get theirs, but limit the rest. The thing is, let's say they – let's say they it's not going to happen, but let's say they average 40 each in the series. I mean, that's just 80 points still. You're going to need more. You're going to yep. need more. They don't have Joe Harris. So here's some stats. The Joe, Harris. Have- Joe Harris scares me more than anyone. I, obviously, last year in the playoffs, Kemba mm-hmm. got hurt. Rob was out. Jalen was out. Like, it was a team that didn't want to be there. But Joe Harris still was terrifying. He hit really? like he was making everything? Eight threes in like two different, two or three games. Jeez. Yeah, last year was a five-game series, right? Tatum got one? Yep. Tatum, so, had, the, Tatum had the 50-piece and one. You know he's thinking about oh, yeah. at them. And you know there's 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 always, you know, they don't want to let it, they don't want to say it, but it's very clear that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown want to beat Kyrie Irving. There's no doubt, especially after last year too. Uh, they're competitors, and they know that Kyrie bailed on them. Now, the go to the stats, as you were saying, you guys are seventh in offensive rating and second in defense, so top ten in both. As for the Nets, even though you got to take these with a grain of salt because they've had so many changes, 11th in offensive rating and 19th defensively. And I think the biggest thing with them that's going to be an issue is they have, unlike the Celtics, who have found this philosophy, who have found this formula of finally being consistently healthy and all defending together well, and they know where each other is going to be at. They know who to switch and who not to switch. The Nets don't have that same defensive chemistry. They have not had a run of games together. Kyrie's been in and out. And I just think as a team, their chemistry is lacking. This series for them will really just come down to how well are they going to defend? And how. And I know Kevin's going to defend. He defended really well the last game. Kyrie, when he wants to, can defend. And I think he will. But will it be enough as a team to beat the Celtics, who are obviously a deeper team. I'm struggling with it. Now, let me ask you this before I ask you for this, the prediction of the series before we close it out. 
By the way, I also think Drummond starting, that's very interesting. He was starting the last game. Claxton, I thought, was really, really solid in the beginning of the season. He's kind of gone to the bench. Yeah, I think he got think, hurt for a while and then never played himself back into minutes. Yeah, I guess so. I think the two guys that are really going to be potentially concerning role players for you guys are Patty Mills and Seth Curry because you know how hot they can get from three. As long as you keep them in check, you should be good, especially with Joe Harris out. I mean, those are, that would have been another shooter that would been great for them. But before we – Get to the well, prediction. Another thought too is like we were saying before, the Celtics played that like playoff rotation basically from January on. Know that like those guys are set pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And especially in the first round. See whether that comes back to bite the Celtics if they go five, six game series, seven game series, seven game series, something like that. If that comes back to bite like next, uh, next round or the round after, the round after that remains to be seen. But I think in the first, uh, first series, at least, you have guys that are used to playing those minutes and know like who's going to be there, who's going to be next to them, who's going to be behind them, know their rotations. So and let me Nets, ask I don't, the Nets. I don't know if you have that, especially yeah, if they're going to try to put in uh, Mr. Uh, shoot a three, you coward. Who's that again? Ben Simmons. Oh, ben Simmons. yes. Yeah, that's that's another thing. Let's just assume Ben Simmons doesn't play at all. Yeah, I, um, I can't see him. So even the injury to Rob playing. Williams, though, the injury to Rob Williams, though, is a big miss. I mean, they're saying now he could come back in the series. Uh, let's say let's just assume you don't have him at all in the series. Obviously, you know, you have Bruce Brown made a comment about, oh, we're going to attack Tyson Horford. No Rob Williams. So we're going to try to attack the paint. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. Obviously, with the switch, everything defense. Uh, the, the goal of switching everything is to not let guys get downhill and make your defense get put in rotation in the first place. So we'll see how that works out. My question is, are you confident in your bigs to hold down the fort without Rob? Yeah, I mean, like we were saying, it seems like uh, after, what, seven days off uh, from the last time the Celtics played until game one, that should really help Horford. Uh, and then it's another, like, three – they play Sunday and then Wednesday. So it's another like three days. Horford has when he gets rest, some stat like uh, he's like playing at like such an elite level when he actually gets rest. He's an old man. Um, so hopefully they can hold over with Horford playing big minutes until Rob comes back. Tice is no slouch. Uh, he's what he was the starting starting center on an Eastern Conference final. Yeah, twenty twenty team. That's right. Um, uh, Grant Williams obviously is in that role now too, um, but. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to get big Horford minutes, lots of Tice, maybe some uh, small ball with Grant at the five or something weird. So I was so let's let's finish it off with um, the prediction for the series. But I also want to ask you this for just a second too. If you, let's let's look at it from a Nets perspective, Nets fan, do you think they have those? Kyrie, those exist? I guess they do. There's they no have, way. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are healthy. They have the two of them for a playoff series, assuming that neither of them get hurt. Is there an excuse that they haven't got the chemistry to, to not beat the Celtics team? Because the thing is, they've got the best player in the series, I believe. If Kevin. they wanted to get chemistry, uh, there's a good way to do that. Kyrie could have got a shot. Well, now let's just, well, let's, let's, uh, we know he didn't do it. So we just got to look at it right now. Is there an excuse for them that because Kyrie didn't get the shot, that, uh, you know, that they're not expected to beat the Celtics because they're the seventh seed? Or do you think that if you're Kevin and Kyrie, you got to say, we got the first best player in the series and probably the third? 
Although Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, it's like, it depends who plays better. I think Kyrie is great in his role, but Jalen obviously gives you more defensively. What do you think if you're a Nets fan? I know it's hard for you to imagine, not in the Celtic position, but what do you think? Actually, I think uh, it might be a little lighter. People might try to make excuses for them and stuff like that. I know from Celtics fans, they're going to get slandered heavily. You guys are going to have a field day. Celtics are going to slander. Celtics fans are going to slander them. But Nets fans, I'm sure they'll, if they exist, they'll come up with some excuse. Yeah, like, I mean, so... I'm gonna think of me as a neutral if I'm gonna give him an excuse because, like, I get it. You, you, you're the team around you is not they good. Chose this. They chose this. Kyrie, yeah. Kevin Durant, they chose James Harden. If yeah. they didn't want Ben Simmons, they didn't like. Obviously, you don't think Kevin Durant had a choice in everything that happens in Absolutely. this franchise. He is a franchise. Imagine, imagine if they still had Jared Allen right now. I mean, that would have been huge yeah. this season <laughs> instead, of, instead of Harden. So, yeah, anybody had Jared Allen. Yeah, so that's final for free, and Houston didn't even take them. Literally. So, final predictions for the series. What are we doing here? Um, head says Celtics in six, where uh, they win maybe one at home, and then maybe the first one uh, back. But brain, wait, what did I just say? Brain says six, heart says five. Okay. I don't think we I don't think we sweep them. I think that you have to respect Katie enough to give him one game. Tatum took one game from him last year. I think five, maybe six, but that's just being conservative with it. Not no, that Rob, no Rob. I'll give him I'll give him five for sure, maybe six. Not that it matters. In one, one with me there, though, we're gonna fucking smoke go. them. N- not that it matters for um, the series prediction, but do you? Th- who do you think the third best player in the series is? Jalen or Kyrie Irving, or who do you think will perform like the third best? Um, that's a good question. I mean, just because of what Brooklyn needs, like Kyrie has to be the third best, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. have any semblance of a chance, Kyrie has to be the third best player. This would be be crazy, though. Jalen very well could outplay him, and the Celtics could win in four, but for – No way. That's what I'm saying, though. If Jalen outplays Kyrie throughout the series, then, like, if Jalen is averaging 30, Kyrie's averaging, like, 19 or something like that. Okay, that's crazy. He's going to definitely average over 20, man. It's Kyrie Irving. Who knows? Maybe, uh, I don't know. Well, I think maybe, it's going to be. Maybe the crowd gets to him on, uh, maybe he doesn't bring his, whatever the hell, uh, sage or whatever. He doesn't burn his sage in the garden or something, and the vibes are off. Ooh. <laughs> Jalen Brown, I'm, I'm actually just really excited for Jalen Brown and Tatum now have this pressure on them. I mean, for Jason Tatum to beat Kevin Durant-led team in a, and a Kyrie Irving-led team in a series would be such an incredible step for him as a leader and as a star in this league. Um, I know it's a team, but at the end of the day, the, the playoffs come down to your stars as well. And Jason Tatum out beating Kevin Durant, no matter if he outplays him or not, just leading a team past him would be so big. I'm going to be a little bit more uh, generous to the Nets. I just i am scared of that talent. So I'm going to go with the C's in a Game 7 rocking at the TD Garden. No, Rob. I, I, I can't afford those tickets. <laughs> All right. Well, Murph, it was a pleasure. It's going to be an exciting series. 
Maybe we'll reconvene during the playoffs, especially if you guys go past round one. But, and by the way, just for anybody that knows and is watching this maybe years from now, the Celtics went for the second seed. They did not tank their games like the like the Bucs did. The Bucs dodged, dodged the smoke. Celtics thought we're, we're not ducking anybody, and we're going to want to have home court advantage in round two if we play Milwaukee. And I think that could prove big down the line. Any last words? We don't duck anybody. Feed me the Nets. Feed me Kyrie. And there we go. Celtics Nets, Sunday. Murph's going to be Every time he has the ball. Boo!